Welcome to the Women's Health and Fertility Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Evelyn Kennedy, a fertility nutritionist with a decade of experience in well-being, nutrition, and a strong background in health promotion, psychology, and masters in human nutrition. Join me as we navigate the realm of fertility nutrition, hormonal health, and psychological well-being. Let's learn, grow, and glow together. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Women's Health and Fertility Nutrition Podcast. Today we have a great episode. Well, I hope it'll be a great episode. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a role reverse. And instead of being the host today, I am going to um, give that over to my business coach, Brianna, who is the ambitious dietitian who's helped me start up my whole business. And without her, I would be nowhere. <laughs> so um, if you want, Brianna, um, I might just get you to introduce yourself first, because I know um, you will be appearing later on as well, but I'll probably get you to introduce yourself again in that episode. But um, if you can just introduce yourself, that'd be great. Yes, thank you, Evelyn. Um, so I am Brianna. I am a dietitian. I have worked primarily in chronic disease, weight management, bariatrics, diabetes for most of my career um, and have had businesses of my own about seven years ago, six years ago, I started helping other dietitians and nutritionists to begin their business journey. Um, and that's pretty much how I spend my time now. So I tend to take on far more than I actually should because I don't really know the word no. I have four kids who keep me very, very busy and my littlest twins went to prep this year. Everyone said I should find this year easier, not having kids at home. But I've actually found it a lot more hectic because I've had to try and fit an eight-hour workday into a five-hour school day. And that's certainly a big juggle to make. Yes. Sometimes I wonder how you do it because... <laughs> you can tell by the bags under my eyes. <laughs> nah. We're, we're three hours behind in part and sometimes I'll message you and you'll still get back to me, like when I'm about to go to sleep. So I'm like, this yeah. woman, <laughs> this woman, how yeah. does she do it? <laughs> Not a lot of sleep, too many early mornings, late nights, and cram as much as you can in the middle of the school day. And, you know, I tend to say I start my second shift uh, when they go to bed. So but you can see you genuinely food. care so much about the people that you work with. And I was so lucky to have you as a business coach. So, and obviously you still come and do these these things for me so <laughs> yeah always stay in touch with people that we worked with yeah so for any dietitians nutritionists that need a business coach i cannot recommend brianna enough you have to get in contact with her she does thank you over and above for you so <laughs> anyway um we're going to start this episode so as i said brianna is actually going to interview me um, so we're going to talk about fertility nutrition. So over to you, Brianna. Fantastic. I can't wait to be on the other end of podcasting. Uh, so thank you for asking me. Uh, I guess for everybody who's listening, they've 
probably a little bit familiar with who you are, Evelyn, but what I'd really like to know is can you share a little bit about what is fertility nutrition and how you know, does that role that you have as a fertility nutritionist support women on their journey to conception? Sure. So obviously fertility nutrition is a quite a new area in nutrition, but there's actually a lot more research coming in the area. So it's really interesting. So as a fertility nutritionist, I try and optimize fertility in both men and female couples or, you know, anyone going through IVF, any ART. So anyone basically who is either trying to conceive. So ideally, it is best to have three to six months before you try and conceive to build up and optimize your fertility. But I do also see clients who have been struggling to conceive for a little while and then they start looking at their lifestyle and nutrition um, choices. So I do work a lot with couples in that area. And then also, as I said, people who are going through IVF and ICSI or any ART. And there's actually a lot of research now coming from that area to show the benefits of fertility nutrition alongside IVF or ART. And so basically some of the research actually shows that it can improve your chances between 40 to 65%. So they're mostly the areas that I work in. Um, I work as a whole nutrition approach and I do use some supplementation if needed. Fantastic. Isn't that amazing that we have such great statistics um, around this kind of nutrition and the role that our diet and our lifestyle can play for those who are wanting to start, begin, expand their families. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's so great, like some of the research that's coming out, because it really does give people another area to try and focus on as well to optimize their chances. Yeah. And from your experience, when do you think most people start to think about it? Because I guess, you know, we know the benefits, we know the evidence, we know the statistics. What is the timing that you think most women are starting to think about nutrition? So most women don't actually think about it of when they should be. Most women think, oh, you know, I'll worry about nutrition when I'm pregnant because they think that's the only time that it actually matters. But actually all the research has shown now, if you really want to give yourself the best chances between six, three to six months before you really should be looking at um, your diet, because that's actually when your egg um, starts to develop. And within the last 90 days, that's when the egg is like more susceptible to inflammation and basically what you eat. So that's really important. And also a lot of the research shows that you actually have a lot of bearing on your child's health, even back that far preconception and like your egg health, your sperm health, because obviously it's the makeup of your child. So it's obviously a really important thing to think about, but usually people will only um, start thinking about it either when they're pregnant or if they start struggling. That. And sometimes it takes time to make improvements. And that's when people start to panic because, you know, if you're older, 
and you're trying to conceive, then you may not have a lot of time to make those improvements or you, you may think that you might not have a lot of time to make those improvements. And I know from my experience as a dietitian, like it's so hard to change a lifetime's worth of behaviors overnight. Yes. Like, isn't it? It takes time. Yeah. So what are the key factors in a woman, a woman's diet that you think impact her fertility the most and how do you address them in your practice? So probably the biggest thing is your inflammation. Um, obviously with the westernized diets nowadays, there is a lot of like high saturated foods, triglyceride foods. So inflammation is obviously one of the drivers of or infertility. So that's something that we really try and address with an anti-inflammatory diet. Also, we look at things like deficiencies. Deficiency is a massive one for fertility. If you're deficient in things like folate, iron, vitamin D, they can have a massive effect on getting pregnant or, you know, continuing a, a healthy pregnancy. So there are two massive ones that I, I would address. And um, other things like your gut health, which is obviously affected by inflammation and the foods that you eat and not having enough variety in that can, can really lead to like gut dysbiosis. And that affects like your hormonal health and in, in turn affects your fertility as well. So I guess, you know, the importance of that balanced diet is, you know, tenfold. Yes, massive, massive, especially around the de deficiencies. Yeah. And just making sure that you're having the right foods is massively important. Exactly. Many women struggle so much, you know, not only in conceiving and adopting that healthy diet, but with maintaining a healthy weight. You know, my from my working perspective, I work mainly in um, weight management. So I'd love to, you know, chat to you about how weight and body composition influences fertility. Mm -hmm. So obviously weight is one of those very sensitive issues with infertility. And I suppose we do really need to talk about the two ends of the scale. So being underweight can actually affect your fertility as well. So being underweight and overweight, but specifically if we're talking about being overweight, if your BMI is over kind of that 30 range, then that is when, you know, that's where the research shows that you know, potentially it may affect your hormones, which then will obviously affect your fertility. So there is some research to back that. But, you know, I try and have an inclusive approach. So I try and not just get people to lose weight, because if we want to lose weight, we should probably do that before we try and start conceiving. And that's because you want to really make sure that there's no deficiencies. So really, like the advice around fertility is to lose the weight and then start trying. But in general, if you were to, you know, go from a diet that is high in like takeaway foods, high in saturated fats and triglycerides and lots of sugar. And if you substitute that for an anti-inflammatory diet, then the potential to lose weight is definitely there anyway. And you'll still be nourishing your body. Um, so I suppose that's, 
kind of the, the, the main point that I would like to make that you don't have to starve yourself. And that's not what the fertility diet is about at all. And I think some people get misinformed and they try and restrict themselves lots to lose the weight because they've been told, you know, you have to lose 5%, 10% body fat to get pregnant. Yeah, but... it's interesting because I know when I was at the diabetes service that, um, you know, the statistics are saying that that 5 to 10% weight loss at the time of diagnosis can significantly um, reduce your sugar levels to the point that we can actually slow down that progression or commencement of any pharmaceuticals for diabetes. Is there any similar statistics? Yes, yeah, so like with PCOS, a 5% um, decrease in body fat is definitely positively correlated with uh, fertility. And there is definitely that research to say that, you know, if you are in a place to be able to lose weight, I definitely would. But I think a lot of people go down that really restrictive diet. And if you actually take out like things like all of your carbs, your dairy, that's actually more a negative towards your fertility. Um, so really you need to seek like nutritional advice and be guided down that process rather than just trying to think what's going to help and reading everything on the internet and cutting out everything because the fertility approach is way more about what you can add to your diet that's actually going to benefit you than taking away a lot of the foods. And I get that, you know, I, I have people sit in front of me and I'm the one saying to them, you know, believe it or not, nine times out of 10, I'm actually telling people to eat more food to lose weight. And it's counterproductive to everything you've been taught and you think, but trust me, it works. And, you know, I think people have this conception that they have to eat less, 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 but that's actually not always the case. It's about you know, quality and often bringing in those other foods that they need to nourish their bodies. Yeah, well, that's, you know, where the whole hormonal health side of it comes in as well, because, you know, if you're not eating enough food, then you're going to have these hormonal imbalances. And then that can drive so many different issues that drives weight, weight gain alone. So totally agree with that. Yeah. Now I want to go back to like, where people are being told that, you know, just lose weight and you'll get pregnant. Because I've heard that message heaps and heaps of times from clients myself. So having that bariatric background, you know, often we would get people who have just got married and they want to start a family and, you know, the doctors referred them to fertility specialists and the fertility specialist has basically said, lose weight and come back and see us or um, lose weight and you won't need to see me. That type of message is out there. You know, I have people who have just directly gone down the bariatric route because they want to get themselves healthy. You know, they want that end result and they, like, I can spend X amount of money on ART or I can spend X amount of money on bariatric surgery and I'll get the same result. Except with the bariatric surgery, I actually get myself that, to be the healthiest version of me that there is and I get the baby that I want. So yeah, very interesting about where that message is coming from and what kind of actions people are taking. So, you know, I think it's about having more conversations definitely um, around fertility and, and the weight side of things. Yeah, I, I think there is a, a real gap. I think in general, when people go for like fertility treatment, go to fertility specialists, they never get told about nutrition. 
And if your doctor isn't telling you about nutrition, are you going to believe that nutrition is going to be the best benefit for you? Probably not because people believe their doctor, but there is so much more research now to back it working, even if you don't want to do it as your first, first approach, but it definitely backs your chances for conceiving through IVF. So IVF is a very expensive treatment. So, you know, if you, you can have to tell me, that's why. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could have had half the mortgage that I've got. <laughs> that's why I, I'm so glad I have you on because you can talk to <laughs> all of your experiences. <laughs> when you work with women who have special dietary restrictions, who have allergies, who have intolerances, who um, you know, have certain requirements that they need to want to choose to follow as a part of their lifestyle. How do you ensure that they still receive, you know, all of the necessary nutrients that they need to help them with their fertility? So probably the good thing nowadays is that, you know, if you're like celiac, there's lots of different options that you can still have that are gluten-free, um, the same way if you are lactose intolerant, then there's lots of options you can still have. So we can definitely work around any of those types of issues. It's all about like obviously tracking the foods that you're eating, just making sure that there's no nutritional deficiencies and just yeah, making sure you have a balanced diet. And you can still definitely do that even if like you are intolerant or allergic to um, certain foods. Obviously, if you are on, let's say, a gluten-free diet, but you have no intolerance or you have no issues with gluten, then there's actually no research to show that that is beneficial. Actually, it's the opposite because a lot of your carbs actually have a lot of the nutrients that you need. The same with dairy. Dairy is actually really, really important for t fertility. Mm -hmm and can actually be protective uh, um, against miscarriage as well. So, you know, these nutrients are really, really important. But again, there is that misconception and misinformation around some of them. But we can definitely work with clients that have allergies um, and everything else that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, there's lots of options around yeah. that. Yeah, and there's... No, the availability of food these days, whether you're preparing it at home, dining out, um, there's just more awareness, there's more availability around. So there's always options for people, I feel. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And people are more aware now of the different types of like allergies and intolerances. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I saw a patient today with celiac disease and she said like she manages it quite well. She's had it for 15 years, but she said when she, she does a lot of traveling. And so if she's traveling and out and about and mentions that she has celiac, she said there's still a little bit of reservation um, that people, you know, are a little bit reserved about providing food for her. Um, and that was quite interesting to hear. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That was their experience. I suppose if you aren't someone who's prepared a lot of gluten-free food, you just want to, but I just think now it's su such a common thing. And even with people who don't, who aren't celiac, a lot of people stay away from gluten. So there's so many options out there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And you spoke before about the Mediterranean-style diet, like an anti-inflammatory meal plan. Is there any particular foods or dietary patterns that are known to boost fertility? You mentioned um, the calcium and and the dairy was protective. So, you know, what kind of dietary patterns are around that's going to give, you know, the listeners of your podcast those fertility-boosting foods? Sure. Um, So... There's a couple of fertility boosting foods that are really important. So omega-3, first off, is really important. And in general, for any any human being, I would recommend omega-3. Um, and that comes from things like oily fish, so your salmon, your mackerel, um, and then from like vegetarian, vegan sources, flaxseed, um so you can you can get it from quite a few different sources if you're someone who really can't stomach oily fish then you can supplement but in general it is much better to have your whole food source then there is other foods when we look at the gut we want to get as much variety as possible and that's actually really there's a lot more research in that area around fertility but trying to get your 30 foods a day is really really important um and that's obviously for the variety then things like your protein is actually really important and that's specifically in, important um in for your luteal phase so basically um to create that lining so you can implant so that's really important vitamin d is important so um, getting that from sunlight. If you are in someone who can get it from sunlight, then you can get um, supplemented versions. Iron, always a really yeah, important. In the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might have to supplement it with vitamin D in, in the winter in Ireland and pretty much all year round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's funny, I got tested recently and I am in... One of the sunniest places in the world, in part, and I have vitamin D deficiency because I wear sunscreen all of the time and I am as pale as can be. So I get burnt if I go out in the sun for too long. Yeah. So and, and the Sun Smart message around Australia has been very effective in reducing skin cancers. But, you know, the trade off is that people are so sun protected that they're not exposing themselves to the sun in order to get enough of that vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then there is obviously a Mediterranean style diet. You're getting lots of fresh fruit and veg, lots of fiber, uh, healthy fats, which is really good. And then they also drink in moderation. So that can be another one. Consuming too much alcohol, coffee, that can be negative for your fertility. So do you think people need to give up coffee if they're trying to conceive or if they're pregnant? No, they don't actually have to give up coffee, but they need to be more strategic about it. So you can have up to 200 milligrams a day. There is some research now around 100. So you could probably have one cup of coffee. But what I would definitely recommend is that that's not your breakfast, (laughs) that you have something to eat before that. Um, I actually gave up coffee for a year recently. Now I do drink coffee every once in a while because I love the taste of coffee. But I had to give up coffee because my skin actually started breaking out really bad and I couldn't figure out what was wrong 
for ages. I was going through a really stressful period at that time and the coffee on top of that really didn't help. So, you know, if you're trying to conceive and you're stressed and then you're drinking coffee on top of that, it's probably not great for your hormones. But there is no research to say that it's bad for you. It's just, you know, having it with a meal is definitely really important. So fun fact for you, I've never had a cup of coffee in my whole entire life and people are so shocked by that. As an Australian, <laughs> I just don't believe that. <laughs> I have other weaknesses. Give me a cake any day. <laughs> That's so funny. I never drank tea until I came to Australia. So like the Irish person who decided to start drinking tea in, in Australia instead of Ireland. <laughs> we're, we're well met. <laughs> And so in terms of supplements, you brought that up before briefly, what role do they play in fertility nutrition and how do you actually work out what kind of supplements people need? Sure. Um, so it is really important with supplements that you look at deficiencies. So with every client that I see, I actually recommend blood tests that they get done before they come and see me. And that way I can actually look to see if they have any deficiencies or how I can optimize their levels. So that's the first line of action. So really important things then are things like your folate. Um, your folate levels is really important for your fertility. And obviously when you do conceive, you, you definitely need to have stores of folate and obviously take your folic acid. Obviously, if you have the MTHFR gene, then you are more looking at activated folate and that can be more effective um, intake. So that's where supplements actually come in really great. Um, you know, I definitely still say that a whole food approach is much more important than just taking a lo load of supplements and having a really poor diet because the supplements are only going to work with your diet. But things like your omega-3 is a really good one as well if you don't have enough oily fish. But if you can have the fish two times a week, that's actually better. Things like your iron, there's so many women that have iron deficiency and it's obviously just the nature of being a woman and menstruating every month if you do. And then other things like your vitamin C. And then there's a couple of ones that have some good research like your CoQ10. So that can be a really good anti-inflammatory, antioxidant type of um, supplement. So you, you would really need to talk to a professional around how much of that, that you take. Yeah, that, that can be really good, but it does take some time to work. Like it's not just going to work overnight. So I think some of the research actually shows that it can take up to 12 months to have a benefit. But there is a lot of research in that area. Maca is another one that um, can be beneficial. There's a couple of different ones. And then there's myoisotol that can be really beneficial for PCOS. And that can level basically like help with your insulin levels. So that's just a few of them. I will just say... You know, if you're listening to me telling you all these supplements, please don't go out and buy all of these supplements without talking to someone about what is actually beneficial for you because every case is different. And I guess our role as dietitians, nutritionists is to assess people's nutrition intake, assess the information that you have and then make recommendations based on that. 
um, that fit within, you know, what they're doing, what their circumstances are, first of all. Exactly. And that's the thing, like fertility can get very expensive. And you, if you're going out and just buying all of these supplements on a whim, it's not good because chances are like if your body doesn't need it, you are weaning that out and it's yeah, no good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you got better things to do with your money than pay for expensive colored urine. Now, I want to move into something a little bit more serious in terms of stress management because you know, stress can be a significant factor in fertility issues. And I'll go more into my story about that in our episode together. But how does nutrition relate to stress management and what dietary strategies do you recommend to help women reduce the stress in their life? Because it's not just about the food, but I know you practice from a very wholesome lifestyle approach. Sure. Yeah, I have worked in the wellbeing area for 10 years and also have um, a background in health promotion and psychology. So I do like to have that holistic approach. Stress obviously can affect your fertility through your hormonal Basically, when you are stressed out, your body creates more hormones, less hormones. It doesn't know how to work properly <laughs> in the, the simplest way. Um, it can affect your gut. It can affect so many different elements of your body. And then it can make it really hard to conceive around your fertility side then like managing it. So that there is foods that can actually support you through stressful periods that can help you. Like, so obviously things like not high sugar, so you're not spiking your blood sugars and having like crashes because your body's already in that like fight or flight. So you really want to be having like that balanced diet of high protein and like, if you are having like your high carbs, then having a protein with that. So it cancels out that um, spike effect and having lots of your veggies and lots of fiber and stuff like that. Things like salmon. And have... all those veggies that are rich in the B group vitamins that we know are really yes, good for yes. your mind and brains. Exactly. And then things like your salmon, other fish, they, they actually can be precursors for serotonin. So like keeping your mood in a good place so they can be really beneficial. But in general, management techniques like so you obviously don't want anything else stressing you out and like just, you know, prepping your meals on a Sunday can take a lot of stress away from you. Um, because then you know that you have something to eat for your lunch, you have something for your breakfast. Oh, yeah, at least you know you're going to eat healthy and you're not just going to go either the whole day without eating or else you're going to eat crap and then that's going to make you more feel more crap. From a stress point and of that, view. That vicious cycle starts, you know. I know the food that I'm eating is making me tired, but I'm too tired to cook something that's a little bit more nourishing. Yes, exactly. And that's it. Like when you're stressed, your body is so tired because you're constantly on that alert. So the last thing you probably want to do is come home and make food. And then if you do, you'll probably have something that's easy to, to make. You're not going to make, you know, something real healthy. But from like a stress point of view, something that I think is really beneficial, and I actually practice this myself, is um, deep breathing. 
And I literally do it like for five minutes every day. And it actually can make a massive effect on lowering your cortisol levels. And obviously your cortisol is what like is created from your stress. And when you're creating cortisol in your body, that uses up all of your vitamin C, which then sometimes affects your immune system. But basically, if you are deep breathing, that is bringing down your stress levels. It doesn't have to be like for hours. It doesn't have to be like anything excessive. You literally just do your breathing <laughs> for five minutes. There's no barriers to it, essentially. You don't need equipment. You don't need special rooms or absolutely foreign. Like you don't, there's no barriers to being able to do it. Exactly. And I literally connected to one stage of the day. So I remember every day. So literally I have a five minute walk to work and I do it for that five minutes. Sometimes when I walk past people, I think they might think I'm a bit crazy, but I don't really care. <laughs> I'm like, I feel so good. <laughs> yeah. And what we know is that if you already have a habit, and you can add something onto it. So habit stacking, you're more likely to adopt that new habit than trying to just do it without stacking it onto another habit that you have. You know, often with bariatric patients, they get to take their multivitamins, which they need to take the rest of their life. And um, I tend to say, where do you keep them? They're like in the kitchen or in the cupboard. Or I'm like, okay, I want you to put them in the bathroom next to your toothbrush. So every morning and every night when you brush your teeth, you take your multivitamins. And they're like, oh, that is such a good idea. So, you know, brushing your teeth is a habit that you've established in your life already. And we're just going to add something to that habit that you already have. That's so true. Yeah. And like, that's exactly it. You just need to do it where you're going to remember. And that's why I do in that five minutes. Then other, other things that are really effective is movement. So when I say movement does not have to be like vigorous activity, it's as simple as going for a walk in nature. And actually there is research to show that walking in nature can massively um, increase like your good moods, which can also then benefit like stress levels. So that's really important. So that can be things like just walking, can be going for like yoga. Yoga is actually really effective as well with stress management. Yeah. So there are just a few things. Uh, other other areas than is sleep. Sleep's a massive one. And most people yeah. don't get enough sleep. Um, <laughs> not you. <laughs> you know, I actually love sleep and I am the best sleeper. Like. <laughs> I can go to bed and two seconds flat, be asleep and not wake up till the sun comes up, excluding the like four kids that I have coming in all night. Yeah. But I actually am a really good sleeper. I just never get to bed early. Well, do you know what? You probably are better than some people if you sleep like straight away because, you know, some people just go to sleep or try and go to sleep and they spend the whole night rolling around. But in oh, those cases, husband. I also recommend breeding. So there's um, box breathing is actually really effective. If you look that up or yoga nidra, I used to, cause some like last year I was going through a stressful period myself and uh, just like listening to yoga nidra before I went to sleep was really effective. And actually I think there is even some research around practicing that. Um, like I think 20 minutes is equal to two hours or something like that. So it's really, um effective approach but then there's probably the one that we really need to talk about is that sometimes you just need to alleviate that stress from your life if you can because we can talk about all the well-being things that you can do but if you can actually cut out that stress whether it's a 
you know, toxic job, which probably isn't the easiest thing to leave. But if you can, then, uh, you know, it's beneficial. <laughs> yeah, whatever stress it is, if you can get rid of that stress out of your life, that's probably the best option, to be honest. And so you've talked about the stress, you've talked about the sleep, you've talked about the movement. Uh, is there any other lifestyle factors that you address in your practice? So one thing that I don't know if I would say it's a lifestyle lifestyle factor, but, you know, a lot of the burden always lies with the woman. But now, you know, it's actually 40 percent, around 40 percent is male infertility as well. And actually a lot of the research that's coming out now is like there was this crazy statistic recently saying that men's sperm nowadays like men have half the amount of sperm as their granddads had. And there's actually like in years to come, there is going to be serious issues. And that's all due to lifestyle, lifestyle habits. Environmental. Yeah, exactly. And sorry, environmental. And like, that's kind of crazy. But like the woman in most cases always takes that burden. So where possible, it should always be like, a couple approach. So do you think that's because women are more invested in their health because women are the carrier, because men are less likely to seek help? Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think, and you know, it's still a lot of misinformation. I think a lot of men just don't understand that it is like their sperm is obviously half the picture, you know? So I think there needs to be a lot more around that because like, I don't know as well, like from listening to other podcasts around male fertility, like I think a lot of the time the doctor kind of just always gives the information around this kind of stuff to the woman and they just never kind of connect that it could be the man as well. Now that's just from other stuff that I've listened to and that's not every doctor or health professional, but I think there needs to be more education around that. Yeah, totally agree. So I probably don't have a lot more questions to ask you, but I would like to wrap it up knowing a little bit more about a success story or you know, your experience as a fertility nutritionist that really illustrates how you help women you know, achieve what they want to achieve in that journey to starting, beginning, expanding continuing their family and what might they get out of working with someone like you? So I think it's really important to, you know, utilize every aspect of the fertility journey that you can. So, you know, if you can improve your diet for your fertility, that's beneficial. But even if it doesn't affect your fertility in the long run, it's going to affect so many other areas of your life. So I think, you know, there's no downside to it. I suppose like success stories, I did have a client back a couple of months ago. She had been trying for an awfully, awfully long time, uh, like years, like uh, several years. And so I did up like lots of nutrition plans, worked for her. And actually like a lot of her feedback was that, you know, in all of the cycles of IVF that she'd done, 
in all of the different things that she'd done, no one had ever talked to her about fertility and nutrition. You know, that it gave her a lot of hope. In this particular case, like she actually didn't end up getting pregnant. She actually ended up um, adopting in the end. But she was just so happy to have someone to guide her through that process. She Because those recommendations are still going to be valid. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, most of her years that she is in that reproductive age. Exactly. And like it was just having that aspect of someone to guide her through all of that and to listen to it. And, you know, so it gave her more hope, etc. So I think that was a really good area. Um, I do also work a lot with like people with PCOS. And some of my clients at the moment are, so they're actually not trying to conceive at the moment, but. They know that potentially, yeah, exactly, that potentially it could be a little bit harder. So they have, you know, started on these journeys, which has really made them, like, empowered them. So I think that's um, really beneficial for them as well. Yeah. And they, they, yeah, they, I think, you know, essentially what they're doing is they're forward planning for that, um, you know, less speed bumps down the track when they do want to plan for any future pregnancy. Mm, yeah. Definitely. And it's so important, as I said, yeah, because like, you know, you do anything in the world for your child. Um, So like actually, you know, looking at your diet, creating that great environment is really beneficial for them for the rest of their life. So is there anything else you would like to share with your listeners? Is there anything else I want to share? I never stop talking. And then when people ask me these questions, I'm like, is there anything else? If they, if they want to know a little bit more or they want to take it that next step, do you have any resources that they could have access to? Sure. Um, so if you go onto my Instagram page, I share lots of um, nutrition tips and advice. And then obviously there's the podcast and then the website that I've created, which was actually true you <laughs> but that's at www.enhancedfertilitynutrition.org and you can actually download a seven day free fertility nutrition plan so you're more than welcome to go on there and and it does go through all the other services and everything else that i offer as well fantastic well i do hope that everyone has you know a little bit more insight into what exactly everyone does as a fertility nutritionist and if you do have any questions her please don't hesitate reaching out because she's always going to welcome questions conversations etc thanks so much for being my host (laughs) anytime thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the women's health and fertility nutrition podcast if you're looking to take your fertility and hormonal health journey to the next level then don't miss out on our free seven-day fertility and PCOS diet plan. It's packed with valuable information and practical tips to help you optimize your nutrition for improved reproductive health. And that's not all. For a more comprehensive approach, be sure to check out our website at www.enhancedfertilitynutrition.org. There you'll find a range of programs and services tailored to your specific needs. Our best practice three-month program, Fertility Focus, is designed to provide you with the support and guidance you need to enhance your fertility nutrition journey. 
Until next time, keep educating and supporting your journey. Please share this podcast with anyone that may benefit from it. And leave me a five-star rating as your act of kindness for the day. See you next time.